Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. In Philadelphia, a woman's car was found abandoned on the side of a busy highway, still running. But the driver was missing. At the scene, police found several clues. But was there enough forensic evidence to solve the mystery? Route 476 is one of several highways that links Philadelphia to the suburbs. Hundreds of thousands of commuters travel that road every day. On June 20th, 1996, at 2 o'clock in the morning, an off-duty ambulance crew spotted an abandoned car along an exit ramp of 476. The engine was running, the lights were on, the radio was blaring, the driver's door was open, but no one was inside. There was a tire iron found in front of the car. I found some blood in front of the car. I found a stone with blood on it in front of the car. And on the guardrail, there appeared to be some blood splatter next to the car. We later had an interpretation done of the blood pattern in front of the car, and we learned that uh, it appeared as though someone had been laying on the ground for a brief time in front of the car. The crime scene says that this person was violently attacked in a very fast mode, meaning that they were hit very quickly uh, as far as the violence was concerned, and then they were extricated from that site very quickly. This person didn't stay around long. Next to the car was a tire impression, which was photographed for analysis. A forensic expert then made a cast of the impression, which was sent to the state crime lab. The automobile was registered to Gail Willard, but had been driven that night by her daughter, 22-year-old Amy Willard, a star soccer and lacrosse player at George Mason University in Virginia. Amy was spending the summer at home with her family, who lived just a few miles from where the car was discovered. Amy told her mother she was going to Smokey Joe's bar. And her friend said Amy left the bar alone at 1.30 in the morning. She had never been to Smokey Joe's before. When she came home, she very rarely went out and met people because of the fact the time constraints on when she was home. When she was home, she kind of stayed around here and we hung out together and things like that. Damage to the vehicle led police to think that Amy may have been the victim of a carjacking. 
There was an abrasion on the back bumper that was not there when Amy drove off in the car. I noticed it because it was my car, and I knew everything about my car, and I had pointed it out to the police. Possibly at that traffic light, right where she's going to turn off the 476 off-ramp onto the Route 1 on-ramp, I believe that that's where he would have bumped her car. She immediately pulls over onto the ramp, gets out of her car to exchange information. The next morning, about a half mile from where Amy's car was abandoned, police found a pair of panties and sneakers. They brought them down for me to identify them, and they definitely were her sneakers and panties. They definitely were. The panties weren't soiled with dirt. Uh, They weren't wet. They were dry, uh, as were the shoes. It appeared to me as though those items had been brought back after the rain, which would have meant that they were brought back after her car was found. An indication the abductor had returned to the scene of the crime to dispose of the items. Detectives screened video surveillance tapes from stores and bank ATMs near Smokey Joe's Bar. But Amy had not stopped at any of these locations. Then, an unexpected lead fell right into investigators' laps. After Amy Willard disappeared, police appealed to the community asking anyone with information to come forward. One of those who responded was 23-year-old Andrew Kobach, who said he had been driving on Route 476 on the night Amy disappeared and saw something suspicious in the vicinity of Amy's car. Police knew Kobach. Years earlier, he had been accused of impersonating a police officer. Police say Kobach would turn a siren on, instruct the driver to pull over, and then show the driver a badge. A motorist turned him in, but he was never charged. Kobach immediately became a suspect, since investigators now thought he might have done the same thing with Amy Willard. By virtue of placing himself back at the scene, it was consistent with what is uh, oftentimes a characteristic of people who commit crimes uh, that are being investigated is out of curiosity or some other kind of motivation. Uh, they return to the vicinity of the crime, in essence, to get a feel for what's going on. Less than 24 hours after Amy Willard disappeared, children playing in a deserted lot in North Philadelphia discovered the nude body of a woman. There was a Nike logo tattooed on her ankle, which Amy's parents identified. There was more of a relief when they found her body in Philadelphia, that I had her back, that we could find out, help to find out what happened to her. No one could bring her back to life, but at least I had her. An autopsy revealed that the five-foot-two, 120-pound woman died from multiple blunt force injuries to her head and face. The medical examiner estimated she died at 7 o'clock in the morning, about five hours after she was abducted. This is a crime of momentary passion or a crime of between two people that know each other, but somebody that actually uh, hunted down, stalked somebody, committed the the murder, the crime, and then went to another location to try to deposit the evidence and throw the authorities off the trail. The examiner determined 
that Amy had been sexually assaulted. DNA evidence from the rape test kit was sent to the forensics lab for testing. We had essentially the uh, genetic fingerprint of our, uh, of our murderer, uh, and we just needed to identify that person. The coroner also described an unusual pattern on Amy's upper body. But police weren't sure what caused the mark. Meanwhile, forensic experts completed their analysis of the tire impressions found at the crime scene. They were from a Firestone 440 13-inch tire, often found on small, compact cars. Andrew Kobach's automobile did not have those tires, and the search of his home turned up nothing. Kobach was officially eliminated as a suspect when his DNA profile did not match the semen from the rape test kit. With no other leads, the killer's trail turned cold. Then, one year after Amy Willard's death, 19-year-old Patty Jordan reported an attempted carjacking to police. She said it was a man who had followed her after she left a local nightclub. And at the next light, that car must have made the light, and I didn't, and that's where he hit my car. I just went, and he motioned for me to pull over, and I was like, you hit my car, and he was just like, pull over, pull over, and it turned green, and I just kept on going, and my headlights shone on his license plate, and that's how I got his license plate. Fortunately, Patty had memorized the license plate number. The vehicle was registered to 38-year-old Arthur Bomar. 20 years earlier, in 1978, Bomar had been convicted of second-degree murder in Nevada and was sentenced to life in prison. Unbelievably, he was released on parole after serving only 11 years. Let me tell you something. There are people that cannot be reformed, and no matter what you do, they will not change. And Arthur Bomar is one of those people. Bomar had a 20-year history of problems with the law, including several assaults on young women. This is a guy who really hates women and despises them and wants to punish them and wants to feel virile and feels that he deserves this. Investigators learned that the day Amy Willard disappeared, Philadelphia police pulled Bomar over for questioning on an unrelated matter. He had been stopped roughly six blocks away from the scene where her body was found. So he was someone that uh, we, we certainly wanted to talk to and we were attempting to locate. Police went to interview Bomar about the Amy Willard case, but they couldn't find him. So the search was on. After Amy Willard's murder, there had been another attempted carjacking in Philadelphia. Information provided by the victim identified the culprit as an ex-convict, Arthur Bomar. But police couldn't find him. Not long afterwards, another woman called police to report a man trying to break into her third-floor apartment. The man was arrested and identified himself as Peter Thomas Love. 
In his pocket was a set of car keys to a Honda automobile. They determined that there was a Honda nearby. They ran that tag, and they learned that that tag belonged to Arthur Bomar, assigned to a 1993 Ford Escort owned by Arthur Bomar. Police also discovered that Peter Thomas Love was an alias. He was, in fact, Arthur Bomar. But why was Bomar's license plate on a Honda and not on his 1993 Ford Escort? The answer was simple. The car was stolen. It belonged to Maria Cobuenos, a 25-year-old woman who had been missing for three months. Investigators believe that Cobuenos was abducted while driving on Route 476, the same highway where Amy Willard had been attacked. Dried blood was found in the trunk on Maria's car, which Bomar was driving. Both bumpers were slightly scraped, like Amy Willard's car. Bomar immediately became a suspect in Maria's disappearance. Now more than ever, police believed he might have been involved in Amy Willard's murder. His alibi was that he was present at a birthday party and not outside the bar that Amy was that evening. He had been uh, with a family. Uh, it was not a family. It was a young woman that uh, he was seeing. This woman uh, had a, a child. But Bomar's fiance contradicted that. She said Bomar was at Smokey Joe's bar on the night Amy Willard disappeared. Police re-examined the evidence, looking for any clues that would tie Bomar to the murder. One year after her daughter's death, Gail Willard, who worked as an emergency room nurse, asked to see pictures of Amy's injuries. I looked at the picture of what they were calling a diamond-shaped pattern, and I said, this isn't a diamond-shaped pattern, this is a burn. That was not a burn from a flame. It was either a burn that her body came in contact with something that had the ridges on it, but it was a burn imprint, and it was uneven. Investigators immediately searched for Bomar's Ford Escort, the car he was driving at the time Amy disappeared, but they got bad news. The car had been involved in an automobile accident a few months after Amy's disappearance. So they tracked the towing company and asked where that car was towed to. They went to a location and found a car that was the green Ford Escort that had been actually sitting in a field next to this tow truck company for almost a year's time. So it had been, there's a, a potential piece of great evidence that has not had uh, the chance to be forensically analyzed. An external examination of the escort showed slight damage to the front bumper. At least one of the car's tires was a Firestone 440 13-inch tire, the same type of tire which made the impression found at the crime scene. Our latent print examiner in Harrisburg was able to say that the tire was not only consistent in make, model, size, but also in wear, which is, which is helpful. It's another piece of the puzzle. So uh, the forensics in our case were, were absolutely critical. Bomar's car had been exposed to the elements without its roof for almost a year. So it was no surprise that police could find no trace of blood inside the car. In a previous employment, he had worked in a hospital, in an operating room, where he had learned all of the techniques of cleaning up blood. A 
until police took a much closer look. We literally took the car apart. We removed the seats, we removed the carpeting, we did vacuumings for trace evidence. We took the door panel apart, and behind the door panel, we found some blood. Tests later showed that the blood found on the passenger's door was Amy Willard's. But the most shocking discovery was something police noticed underneath the vehicle as it was being towed. And looking at the oil pan, we were both in agreement right then and there that that was the same mark that was left on Amy Willard's body. The pattern of X's and O's on the oil pan was eerily similar to the marks on Amy's body. An expert at the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology confirmed that the pattern on the oil pan was consistent with the marks on Amy's body. and to a certain degree serial killers pick their victims based on a fantasy. Uh, they have a fantasy in their head of, of, of what they... All crime, all violent crime starts with a fantasy. Prosecutors believe that Amy Willard first caught Arthur Bomar's attention in Smokey Joe's bar. From there, they believe Bomar followed Amy out of the bar and along Route 476 as she drove home. When Amy was about to exit the highway, prosecutors believe Bomar bumped her car, causing her to pull over. The contact left marks on the bumpers of both cars. As she left her vehicle, Bomar struck her with the tire iron, causing the blood spatter on the guardrail, then dragged her to his car. Where he took Amy from there, no one knows. But the forensic evidence clearly shows that Bomar's Firestone tire left the tire impression at the crime scene. And that Bomar ran over Amy with his vehicle, burning her skin, leaving the imprint of the car's oil pan on her torso. He then left her body in the deserted lot and returned to the scene of the crime to dispose of Amy's clothing. Ironically, Bomar himself provided the most damning piece of evidence. The semen from Amy's rape test kit matched Arthur Bomar's DNA profile. Before Bomar's murder trial, Police found the skeletal remains of Maria Cubanos in nearby Bucks County, Pennsylvania. When Bomar was arrested, he was driving Cubanos's automobile. Maria's body was found less than 20 miles from Arthur Bomar's residence and 30 miles from where Amy was abducted. Like Amy, Maria died from head injuries caused by a blunt instrument. I know that he's still clearly suspected of the disappearance and murder of Enrique Buenos. It's been publicly reported, and uh, authorities look at other things, but I can't, you know, there's no, I, I really shouldn't say any more than that. During the trial, 
The defense argued that Bomar was neglected as a child and had a low IQ. Bomar had to be restrained several times during the trial because of violent outbursts. Outside the courthouse, Bomar's family took their frustrations out on the media. His stepbrother and his mother lashed out at news crews covering the trial. Arthur Bomar was convicted of rape and first-degree murder and was sentenced to death. Bomar's reaction? When he was convicted and sentenced to death, he turned around and threatened me with both fingers in the air, telling me to f*** you, Mrs. Willard, and your two kids. He was just a stone-cold killer and a real predator. I have, in my career, never really faced anybody that I felt was as dangerous, as remorseless, and as cold as Arthur Bomar. He doesn't deserve for anyone to ever think about him again. He is just a vile, evil man. I think in the end, without the DNA, without the tire impression, without the oil pan impression, I think we would have been very hard-pressed to, uh, to have the success that we did. Hi, I'm Ben Mankiewicz. On this season of The Plot Thickens, we're exploring the world of renegade movie director John Ford. Ford was a living legend, a cinematic giant, and also a notorious egomaniac who could unload on actors. You'll hear from the best of them, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, even Ricardo Montalban. Find out how Ford's legacy survives his personal demons. The Plot Thickens, Decoding John Ford, hosted by me, Ben Mankiewicz. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.